Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome to Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews, your host. You know, often in life, we're challenged by physical disease. Today, we're beginning to understand the connection between the mind and the body, and today, we're going to talk about that connection as it relates to authentic living by interviewing Dr. Bernie Siegel, who has touched the lives all over the planet through his advocacy for patient empowerment and his powerful and poignant stand on living life fully and dying in peace. His first book, a bestseller, was Love, Medicine, and Miracles. He was among the first of modern-day physicians of many sense, to talk about healing as more than just the application of the right medicine or procedure. He began to help us all to talk about it as an aspect of the wholeness we are. Since that time, he has published several other books, including Peace, Love, and Healing, Prescriptions for Living, 365 Prescriptions for the Soul, Help Me to Heal, and recently he has published a children's book, Smudge Bunny meant to help children understand how to turn difficulties into blessings, and a parenting book, Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, and finally a book for children of all ages who are struggling with loss, Buddy's Candle. Currently, he's working on publishing a book on survivor stories and their lessons entitled Faith, Hope, and Healing. Bernie is also the originator of Exceptional Care Patients, which is a special form of individual and group therapy that uses patients' drawings, dreams, images, and feelings, as well as a gentle confrontation called carefrontation in which the patient is challenged toward personal life changes, empowerment, and healing. Bernie recognizes that we are all capable of exceptional behavior, and he challenges us all to live more authentically. Further, he believes that the roles of consciousness, spirituality, non-local healing, body memory, and heart energy will all be explored as scientific subjects over the next decade. Barney, welcome to Authentic Living. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you. I mean, just the title of your program has my brain working because part of what I'm always saying to people, well, it's fall, okay? okay. And, and what I feel is that we all start our lives as a bunch of green leaves, you know, to make the family tree happy. We don't act differently or look different. And then comes the fall of your life. And then you say to yourself, hmm, if I'm here for a limited amount of time, maybe I should get rid of the green, you know, and reveal my authentic and beautiful self. And um, so I, I always see the fall as a, really a very spiritual message, you know, for us before we let go of the tree of life to show how beautiful and meaningful and authentic we are. And then I always add, if you notice, some of the leaves are already on the ground and others are hanging on until January, you know, Mm -hmm. and through the winter. And so it varies from individual to individual. But the most important is be your authentic self. As Jung said, trying to be normal is only for those who feel inadequate to begin with. So I'd say don't try to be normal. Try to be authentic. Oh, that's beautiful. What a beautiful analogy, too. You know, I, I, one of the impacts that you've had on the world, I remember seeing you way, 
several years ago when uh, Love, Medicine, and Miracles came out, and you came to my hometown and spoke, and I saw you then. And I, I just was profoundly amazed at the impact that you were having as a physician on how people begin to think and process through this whole thing of what is healing, yeah. what is disease, and all that. How did you come to write the first miraculous it's, book? That well, it, it's miracle? funny because uh, <laughs> I always tell people the worst grade I got in college was a C in creative writing. <laughs> and um, but I, I I started the support groups. By the way, it's called exceptional cancer patients. You use the word care, but exceptional cancer patients. Okay, and I'm a sorry. patient of mine when we were both at a meeting, because I wanted to help people who were living with cancer, you know, not just the mechanical surgical approach. And she said to me, the end of her statement to me was, I need to know how to live between office visits. And I thought, wow, if I did that, I don't have to feel like a failure. You know, if I can't cure something, I can help people live. And so we started support groups. And what I learned was if you help people live, they also live longer, healthier lives, and some of them have the disease even go away when it isn't supposed to, you know, because they're back again to living their authentic self mm-hmm. and what that does on a physical level. But I think my being a surgeon made, it, made me more confrontational. You know, I was on all the famous talk shows uh, with people saying, oh, you'll make people feel guilty. You're asking people what happened in your life. You know, you're blaming them for illness. And, you know, 20 years later, it's all very scientific. So I'm not on all those talk shows. And what I mean by that is we can show how emotions affect your genes, from loneliness to fear to whatever. Uh, They affect you physically. And so it became scientific. And I think that psychotherapists, you see, what I learned was I thought I was discovering all kinds of things and wrote to various journals and talked to various people who were psychologists and psychiatrists, and they said, oh, yeah, 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 we know all that. And I was like, what do you mean you know it? Why didn't anybody tell it to me? (laughs) Well, it's because you're a surgeon, so I'm not reading the same literature that they're reading, and I'm not having patients come in and go through therapy and change their lives and suddenly have an illness disappear. Because literally, Carl Menninger, who got to be a very good friend, said to me when I wrote my first book, he said, I was about to write a book called 12 Hopeless Cases. He said, these were people, all of whom were considered hopeless by doctors who are now alive and well. And he said, you've just written it, so I don't have to. Hmm. And I thought that was really an interesting, you know, reflection. And then I began to find books, yeah, again, by psychologists and psychiatrists, you know, the will to live, you can fight for your life, uh, things that they were seeing, uh, but the oncologist, surgeon, internist doesn't see because we don't get into people's lives. And uh, I've learned. And, and this quote is something I read recently I've got to share with you. Because uh, let me say something before the quote by Joseph Campbell. I mean, what I learned was we really don't come up with something new. What I began to see was you need to help people be born again. And I don't mean that necessarily in a religious sense even though the symbolism in religion, you know, you can be plunged into water, come out again, and start a new life. Mm-hmm. And that's from the Red Sea to baptism. to So the born again, I think, is a key factor if we look at what are we to learn from that. And Joseph Campbell said this, only birth can conquer death. The birth, not of the old thing again, but of something new. So Again, what I see happen, people say, oh, I have two months to live. Oh, then I'm going to go home and do all the things I wanted to do, and you know, my parents wouldn't let me do. And 
yeah, and I have letters that end with, I didn't die and I'm so busy, I'm killing myself. <laughs> you know, help, where do I go from here? So I would say, again, these people, see, gave birth to a new life, and that's physiologic. So, and there's a poem I put in one of my books, just this sentence from it by John Updike. Our body loves us. Because he says, the scab is a beautiful thing. The coin the body has minted with an invisible motto, in God we trust, our body loves us. And yes, I cut people open, and they heal. So our body loves us. But think about your body not loving, not feeling that you love it or your life. What does it do to you? Well, Monday morning, it will have more heart attacks, suicides, strokes, and illnesses because you don't like life, we'll get you out of here. And if you say, yes, I love my life, then your body will say, okay, then I'll do the best I can to keep you here. And that's when I think, uh, you know, cancer suddenly disappears. And Solzhenitsyn, in his book, Cancer Ward, and he had cancer, so he is understanding it at a different level. He doesn't say, when the men are sitting around reading a book on the ward, he doesn't say, oh, there are cases of spontaneous remissions or miracles. No, he has one of the men say, oh, look what it says in the book. There are cases of self-induced healing, not recovery through treatment, but actual healing. And the symbolism he uses is a rainbow-colored butterfly fluttering out of the book. And when I read that, it was like, well, yeah, you know what we need to know. The, the butterfly is a symbol of transformation. The rainbow is all of your feelings and emotions, because each color represents an emotion, but they're in order. So you transform your life, get it back into order, and you can have self-induced healing. And that's why, you see, I was asking patients, what's going on in your life? Why didn't you die when you were supposed to? Why are you sick now? So I heard their stories. And other doctors just say, what's wrong? What's your chief complaint? See, but my statement is, how can I help you? What's happening in your life? And uh, as I said, uh, a study showed that the gene... Uh, that affects the immune function is affected by loneliness. So people who feel lonely are more likely to develop everything from an autoimmune disease like lupus to cancer or get the flu for that matter. Um, and that's why I began to ask people what's happened. So if they said, my child died, I lost my job, I had to move across the country, um, okay, let's look at how those things affected you. Wow, that's beautiful. You know, you said a little while ago the authentic self, mm. uh, living the authentic life or being connected to the authentic self, uh, or you intimated that it was healing itself. Yes. Can you say some more about how you see if someone is living authentically, how that heals? It, yeah, I think that the key is, and again, these are age-old words. So he who seeks to save his life will lose it. What does that mean? It means when you make mommy and daddy happy, make your teachers happy, your clergy, you know, all the authorities in your life, what do they want? You lose your life. And that's why 70% of high school students have considered suicide. And when you tell them for homework, write a suicide note, they write three to five pages. And when you say write a love note, you're lucky if you get a page. So what do we need to do to be authentic? We need to say well, what my mother used to say to me, see, I, I didn't grow up with that problem. If I'd come home and say, Ma, I don't know what the heck to do with myself, she'd say, do what will make you happy. So I was always forced to pay attention to my feelings. Where do you want to go to college? What girl do you want to ask out? 
what do you want to be when you grow up? My mother would always focus me back on how does it feel to do that? So I wasn't living in my head trying to please everybody else. I didn't have to give up my life. I could say to my folks, this is what I want to be. And they didn't always, you know, agree or weren't always thrilled with what I was choosing. Uh, my father, you know, think being a doctor, I can't help you, you know, earn a living or do anything. Uh, so it was, if you want to do that, go ahead. Um, but he would have said, go into the business world. You know, maybe I can get a job, you know, help you get a job and this kind of thing. Um, all right. And I would say one other model to live by to make me authentic was the difficulties, like you mentioned with that children's book. My mother would say, God is redirecting you. Something good will come of this. We can discuss this after the break because almost all the well-known inspirational people had mothers who talked like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we need more mothers like that. Mm. Okay. This is Authentic Living. We're talking today with Bernie Siegel. And we'll be back in just a moment. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews, and we're talking today with Bernie Siegel on authenticity and health. Bernie, before the break, we talked just a little bit about, you know, how you were raised and how authenticity was affecting you as you grew up and how it affects the body and mind of of the healthy person. What what I was thinking about are two stories. Uh, I got to know Norman Vincent Peale years ago, wonderful man, and... and, um, one of the things he said was his mother basically was like my mother. 
And she would say, Norman, if God slams one door further down the corridor, another will be opened. And so, again, you see, he and I had a different view of the future. I mean, I may have a problem today, but, hey, let's see where it will lead me. And I love, as a matter of fact, there's a country western song that says, if all the doors are slammed, look for an open window. <laughs> so, you know, that's survival behavior. And the other thing that he helped me with a lot was I, I was saying to him, because I grew up in New York, but I said, you know, I can't take all the noise and, and just the pressure and, and, you know, that people put walls around themselves because of what's going on here and they stop being sensitive. And he said, wait, he said, it's not about noise and quiet, because I was saying I'd love the country. He said, it's about rhythm. And that really helped me. And I remember a poem, I think it's by Longfellow, that, that talks about um, give me nature. And your primal sanities. And as I started to read the poem, I thought, oh, you agree with me. The poem, however, ends with, give me Manhattan. And it's about the energy. And I've met lots of creative people who, fine, I love Manhattan. It keeps them alive and awake and and doing things. Um, But it's not about quiet or noise. It's about rhythm. So when you say, how do I become an authentic human being? Find the rhythm in your life and pay attention to what feels right for you. And they will lead you to be who you want to be and, the right, you know, and have your life and not one that's imposed on you. And again, if you've made that mistake, I'd say to people, don't commit suicide. Eliminate what's killing you. That's what you're supposed to do. So Absolutely. you change your life. Quit your job. You know, it, it can be a divorce. It can be moving. Again, these are things I see people do. They take their tie off because if you have a few months to live, why, you know, why worry about what you're wearing? They move to Colorado and they move to Florida. I mean, it isn't the place. It's, again, you see the rhythm. What is right for them? So in their last few months, they go do, you know, what is right. And as I say, instead of one man I know, instead of dying in two months, Five and a half years of life. And another who I thought was going to be dead in a few months, I called to ask why I wasn't invited to the funeral, and he answered the phone. (laughs) And he said, it was so beautiful here, I forgot to die. You see, it was a place he wanted to go and live. And that's what I would say to everybody. Don't wait for a disaster. Um, Oh, I forgot the author um, who said, Hemingway, he said, the world breaks everyone. Some of us become strong at the broken places. And for me, that's a sad statement that, yes, I agree, life is difficult and the world can break us, but why have to become strong at the broken places? You see, why learn from a disaster? And that's why I find the authorities in our life so important, that if you had parents who had a disaster, they can teach you how to not have to go through what they went through to get smart. And, we, and, and that's why I say the clergy, school teachers. Parents, I mean, they've got to, and doctors teach us how do you deal with life's difficulties. Life isn't unfair. Everybody's complaining. It's difficult. But if you grew up with, you know, therapeutic parents and teachers and clergy, then when you run into trouble, you'll know how to handle it. And they're age-old messages. You know, whether it comes from the Bible or Buddha or somebody else, um, they're all trying to tell us how do you get through difficulties and how do you find peace in your you know within and in your life and help you to heal
Yeah, and what you're talking about now, I guess, is what drove you to write Love, Magic, and Mud Pies is sort of yeah. teaching. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the first book, I mean, you asked me, and I never really answered why I wrote it, but, I mean, I ended up writing it because I'd gotten so busy counseling people and talking to people, and I'm trying to run a surgical practice, and, you know, I'm seeing people after the regular office hours into the evening, and then I'd get home, and you have 112 phone calls, um, and and somebody said to me, why don't you write a book? I thought, oh, that'll save me so much trouble. I'll say to people, read the book. (laughs) What I didn't know is when you write a book, it gets worse, you know, because then millions of people read the book, and then they all want to talk to you. Before we went on the air, I just had an email from Venezuela, because now with emails, I'm talking to people all over the world, you know, and trying to help them. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's, you know, trying to, because what I've learned, let's put it this way, I can be a coach. And if people have the talent and are willing to show up for practice, some wonderful things happen. And if not, okay. And what I mean by that, too, is if you don't have self-esteem and self-love, you're in big trouble. Because to me, the key that I have to offer people is not information. Uh, It's inspiration. If that's within them, I'll bring it out, inspire them, and then they will use the information that I can provide them with and others can provide them with. Because I always say that people 200 pounds overweight, smoking, drinking, drug addicted, they're not stupid. Uh, I mean, they know it's not good for them, but it's how they feel about themselves and their life Mm -hmm. that leads them to addictions and abuse uh, because of how they were treated. You know, I I read letters to people, uh, you know, that were given to me talking about their childhood. And and I'm not talking about, about... I mean, there are some who are sexually abused, physically beaten by parents, but the psychological uh, is so painful, too. And up to the age of six, a child is basically under hypnosis in terms of their brain function. So what you hear from parents, you know, you're a failure, you embarrass us, you'll never amount to anything with dressing you in dark clothing. And I don't make these things up. Um, Yeah, to quote a lady whose letter I often read, my mother's words were eating away at me and maybe gave me cancer. Mm-hmm. And we know from studies that, again, the submissive child who internalizes anger and tries to please parents is much more likely to develop a life-threatening illness than the one who's a little devil and drives everybody crazy. And in another study, this was done of Harvard students. If they said, my parents loved me while they were attending Harvard, 35 years later, one out of four had had a major illness. If they said, my parents didn't love me, while they were attending Harvard, almost 100% of them had suffered a major illness by midlife. So again, you see how your behavior, and that's why when I talk to people about rebirthing, being born again, yeah, I want to reparent you. I want you to see how beautiful you are, that you're a divine child, and respect and honor yourself and care for yourself. Even if you had negative messages, okay, let's clean the slate and abandon your past and start again. Is it easy? No. And that's, again, like Hemingway said, yeah, you get hit on the head uh, and then you wake up and say, All right, well, maybe I ought to you know, start doing something. Uh, since I'm going to be dead in a short time, maybe I ought to start changing my life and trying to do something that I enjoy. And that, to me, is over and over again the saddest part, that somebody needs a disaster to wake up. And then, you know, that's when all the books get written. You know, look what I learned from having trouble. Um, 
but it would be nice if you said, yeah, when I ran into trouble, I was prepared because I had an education from the authority figures in my life, so I knew how to handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, you said two things there that are just a mouthful. One is that uh, the whole thing of parenting and preparedness for mm-hmm. life's issues, whatever comes up, whether it's problems or joys, and I think there's so many times that parents are bargaining with the idea of that by trying to protect their children from everything that might come down instead of preparing their children for what will inevitably yeah. come down. See, if you give them, because I remember reading some article that was saying, don't tell your children they're good at this, good at that, because then they worry about it. You know, like you're an artist, you're a terrific ball player. Then they worry when they're playing ball Maybe my parents, I'm not so good today. You know what I mean? They won't be proud of me. But if you say to your kids, hey, you want to play ball? Go ahead. Have some fun. Take the challenge. You want to paint the picture? Go ahead. You know, you can't fail. Give it a shot. Mm -hmm. The the kids then get enthused about participating in different things. And it's not, are you getting an A or an F? Because, again, I see this in my work. I often say to people, please draw a picture of yourself, your treatment, your disease, your family, whatever. And they say, I'm not an artist. Mm -hmm. And and I said, you're dealing with a life-threatening illness. You're worrying about what grade you're going to get in art. But, yes, they are because of how they were brought up. But if you teach your kids to face the world, take on a challenge. I mean, I can remember one day, uh, I told my father I was leaving the house. And then I forgot something, so I came back. And I heard him speaking to people in another room saying, that kid is going to be a success at whatever he undertakes because, you know, he's got a talent and I know he'll be okay. And I thought, wow, he means it because he thinks I'm out in the street, you know. And so I often say to people, you want to make your kids feel good, say nice things about them when they're not in the room, (laughs) you know. And they say, what is that? I say, then the kids will believe what you're saying because you're not putting on an act, you know, to make them feel better. Um, But when you grow up knowing your parents, you know, have faith in you, um, and and also what I call who who becomes your Lord, you know, that because here are more quotes. My father ruined my life. What did he do? He gave me a million dollars when I was 21. How did that ruin your life? I had to be a success. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And that kid was a mess because his impression is, my father gives me a million dollars, so I'll go make another million. And, you know, I thought, because one of our kids did this, he inherited, um, uh, I think it was $60,000, and um, he gave it to someone from another country that he had met when he was out of the country so he could come here and go to college, get an education, and go home and help the people in his community. Wow. Now, I learned that when our son asked me if I would help him with his tuition. And I said, you inherited money to pay the tuition. And he told me that. And it's funny. My initial reaction was, you know, now i got to pay because you were so good. But, but you know, <laughs> when you think about him versus the kid who's got a million, what if he came home and said, Dad, you'll be so proud of me. I started a new charity. I'm digging wells in Africa. Who knows? You know, I'm rescuing abused animals. His father would have said, you jerk, you're supposed to be making money, not Mm -hmm. spending it on charity. And that's the sad part. So I think if you grow up with what I call the true Lord, you know, that you're here 
to help the world and to spread your love in, in a meaningful way, not a way imposed by others, but how do you want to love the world? Then you can say, I'll be a doctor, I'll be a plumber, I'm going to open a restaurant, uh, I'll be home and be you know, a father, mother, whatever. But you're doing, again, what is authentic for you and not imposed on you. And one young man, after therapy, in a very similar situation, said to me, I learned something. If you're a success, you're not happy. But when you're happy, you're a success. Yeah. And, when, and when you look at the financial world today, yeah, I think it's a reflection of people trying to be a success who aren't happy and who don't care about other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to talk some more after the break. This is Andrea Matthews, your host. We're talking today with Bernie Siegel about authenticity and your health. We'll be back in just a moment. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back with Authentic Living, talking today with Bernie Siegel about authenticity and your health. Uh, Bernie, uh, what I wanted to know was, what is this, you know, when you're, as you're talking through about all this, you're saying that hope is the essential ingredient, um, that you can f- believe that it's possible to go get another mm-hmm. life is the essential ingredient. I, as a therapist, I work with people every day who have been told down the line oh, yeah. through mental health clinics or whatever that they you know, yeah. are not 
going to have hope. They can't create a new life because, well, you know, you know, once you've got this, uh, you've been sexually traumatized or you've been abused as a kid, well, you know, your life is you're just going to be screwed up. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I uh... Uh, I mean, I hear so many things from people, you know. My doctor said, I might as well go home and commit suicide. I, I, I mean, it, it's and, and part of that is, as physicians, we're just not trained to communicate. Mm-hmm. But what I learned is that, you know, that we're not statistics, if, if you understand what I mean. So if, if I said to you, only 5% of the people who have this disease can be cured, how do you know you're not going to be in the 5%? Mm-hmm. But if I say to you, you're going to go home, you know, you might as well go home and die. Yeah, you're more likely to go home, get into bed and die mm-hmm. because you shut down your immune system. And, um, you know, with the despair and hopelessness and depression and everything else that goes with it. So I think, well, l- let me give you, this is a true story. The doctor wrote about it. They were given a new protocol with four drugs that began with the letters E, P, O, and H. So it was called the EPO protocol. And one day the doctor looks at it and he said, wait a minute, if you turn that around, it's hope. So he started calling it the HOPE protocol, giving exactly the same drugs as all the other doctors, and he had more people respond and get well. Wow. And some of it, again, is up to the patient. Another study was done in in Chicago. Actually, it wasn't a study, but they started a new protocol. And the doctor running it said he realized the people who drove more than 15 miles were doing two and three times as well as the people who lived near the hospital. So, again, you know, there's that determination. And and the word that a politician friend of mine, uh, she's a congresswoman from Connecticut named Rosa DeLauro, and we were at a Relay for Life conference uh, for cancer patients, you know, fundraiser. And I said to her while we were waiting to speak, I can't stand politics. I said, you're in committees. Nobody gets anything done. You talk and you're trying to help people. And, and I said, I always resign and leave. And she said, no, Bernie, it's the potential. She said, it's taken me five and six years sometimes to get a law passed but we're doing good things for people now because I got it passed. It's your potential. And I thought that was a great word. So what Hope is talking about is also your potential, mm-hmm. you know, and, and do you want to reach out? See, there are other people who say, oh, no, if I don't get better, if I don't make it, then I failed. And they're so afraid of getting a poor grade. So they never give it a try. I always loved the movie Harold and Maud, and I recommend it to everybody for therapy. But... Ruth Gordon says in it, reach out, take a chance, get hurt even, play as well as you can, go team, go. Give me an L, give me an I, give me a V, give me an E, live. Otherwise, you've got nothing to talk about in the locker room. Mm-hmm. But you see, if people have grown up with, you embarrass us, you never amount to anything, you never get anything right, then potential is something they fear. I don't have any potential. I always do it wrong. And others will say, yeah, let's give it a shot. And as I said, the, the ones who exceed expectations always have a story. You know, if you said to them, hey, how come? Okay, sit down. I'll tell you what happened. And that's the part I learned. So people have to live their story, um, their script. One of our sons said it very well because I said to a group of people, if you had 15 minutes to live, what would you do? And I didn't like some of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> and our son said, I'd buy a quart of chocolate ice cream and eat it. And I said, you're okay. I don't have to worry about you. And then somebody said, wait a minute. What if the things people were telling you is their chocolate ice cream? And that, I love that comment because 
I think if you go out and live your chocolate ice cream, yes, you're going to live a longer, healthier life. And when you talk about hope, yes, when you go home and live your chocolate ice cream, some wonderful things happen. Well, I've got on my wall the words of a woman who should have died with AIDS, who's now HIV negative. Wow. When you live in your heart, magic happens. You Mm -hmm. see? And she said she put that on her refrigerator and changed her life when she learned she was HIV positive. Now, doctors can say, oh, it must have been a lab error. No, it's not a lab error. It's what has happened in her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like taking life on. It's mm-hmm. kind of like saying, okay, I'm here, I'm breathing. Let me do something yeah. different with it than what I've always done. I mean, another story I tell, I think Woody Allen weaves a lot of wisdom into his craziness. And in, in one of his dialogues, he has two guys talking, and one is totally depressed with the despair and bleakness of life. And he goes on and on and on, and the other guy finally says to him, what are you doing Saturday night? And he says, I'm committing suicide. And the other fellow says, how about Friday night? And to mm-hmm. me, that's what life is about. You know, people hear that, they laugh. And I think, yeah, I mean, you may say I'm committing suicide Saturday, but why waste Friday? Why not go out and have a wonderful time on Friday? And that's the feeling I get when people say to me, oh, I feel suicidal. I say, why not go out and act like an idiot? You know what I mean? Have fun. And this, again, comes from why I love country western. I am being crazy keeps me sane. That's a lyric from a song. And when I heard that, I said, you're right on, because... Being crazy keeps me sane. When you let the child in you survive, when you are not afraid to be a character, yeah, that's when you have some fun with your life. And another study, see, cancer patients who laugh live longer. And it wasn't about finding something to laugh at. If you just laugh out loud, and I'd say to anybody who hears this, when the program's over, laugh for a couple of minutes and watch how you feel. And if there are people around you, watch what happens to them. They'll start laughing, even though they don't know what you're laughing about. They'll start smiling and laughing. And I know, I've done this. And so, again, when you keep the child in you alive, when you're crazy, you'll stay sane, and you're more likely to be a survivor. Because I always say, if you go to the hospital, be a character. You want them to know you as a person, not as some disease. You want to be treated as a human being, not as an affliction. So, again... You know, a disease, it would take your hope away because this is what happens if people have your disease. But if it's a person, who knows what's going to happen? Right, and that comes down to the will to live. So yeah. tell some more about that. Yeah, and uh, a book was written many years ago by Hutchenecker called The Will to Live. He's a psychiatrist. And it's such an important factor in people's lives. We even see it around holidays and birthdays. You know how, well, women live longer than men with the same cancers. And it's not an accident, and it's not their hormones. It's their connections, their desire. I mean, I hear, and sometimes it upsets me, women all the time, oh, well, I have, you know, three children, so I can't die. Or one woman said, I have nine kids, I can't die, they're all married and out of the house. She died when the kids left home 23 years later. Wow. See, that's what bothers me, because I say to women, I don't want you to play a role. I don't want you to be mama, because when the kids leave home, who are you? And the men more often will say, I can't work. What's the point of living? And, and they have families. But it's, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, my life is to earn money to pay the bills for the family. 
No, it's more than that. Go home and be with your family. It's not just about paying the bills. Um, so, you know, people have to really live, again, not a role, but to see their divinity and to live their life. And again, you know, why we get back to being born again. I mean, that I always say when you graduate from high school, they don't call it a termination. They call it a commencement. So life is about beginnings. So if your kids leave home, okay, let's start doing something else. And as, as again, Joseph Campbell said, he said, you don't retire, you engage or you disengage. So as you go through life, you can step back from some things and get involved in other things. Retiring, yeah, I, I, I don't recommend that for anybody because you don't want to disconnect. And, you know, it's hard for me to stop talking, but, you know, because I think of on a simple level, in a nursing home, they put plants in rooms, but half the people were told we're decorating your room. The other half were told this is your responsibility. You have to water the plant, get it sunlight. The people who were given responsibility lived five to seven years longer than those who didn't have the responsibility and all they were connected to was a plan. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And that strength that we get from that connection. Yeah, and when we come back, maybe we can talk about pets and the role they play in your life. Okay. Okay, we can do that. And we'll be back in just a moment with more Authentic Living. We're talking today with Bernie Siegel. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology. A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Fiction seeping into reality. Reality transfigured by fiction. A monument of wonders. Conspire with host and creator Roy Dean Doty as he shares readings, commentary, music, and interviews on the multimedia epic that'll change the way you think forever. A monument of wonders. A place where time is a honeycomb. Where language spawns the fantastic. Where consciousness is exploded. One inspired mind at a time. Escape the stricture of the soundbite film clip world. Enter a monument of wonders. Wonder is miracle. Wonder is life. Wonder is power. Fridays, 11 a.m. to noon Pacific time on the 7th Wave. Are you in? 
awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back again with Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. We're talking with Bernie Siegel about authenticity and your health. Bernie, we were talking before the break about how uh, the story of the patient and the plant. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you but, said you wanted to mention yeah, something I, about pets. About pets. This is a study done in Australia that I read. Um, people had a heart attack, and then they went home. And this doctor found that those who went home to a house with a dog, 12 months later, 5% had died. If they had a house with no dog, 26% had died. Mm. And when you do studies, um, there's another study in which 38% of women said the man they married, they met because of their dog. And you'd say, what is all this about? But literally, if you pet a dog, and I'd say probably any furry creature where there's affection involved, your oxytocin and serotonin levels go up. So you bond with people. And I'm sure any listener who has a dog knows you take the dog for a walk, everybody talks to you. And if you're walking alone, nobody even looks at you. Um, so, again, the connections help us to change our body chemistry and help us to survive. And I thoroughly recommend to people, if you want to live a long, healthy life, get a pet. And it's more than just, you know, taking the dog for a walk and getting exercise. It's about the relationship, the love, the affection, all the things that everybody's looking for and needs. And it's that whole element of just living life for love. You know, you mentioned the word survival so many times. That that whole idea of surviving by living Mm -hmm. is is the whole notion of authenticity. Yeah. Let me run through a series of questions. I'm glad you mentioned that because I call it survival behavior. Psychiatrist George Solomon came up with these questions uh, years ago. Uh, working with AIDS patients, and he said he called it immune-competent personality. And Mm -hmm. they're very simple. Do I have a sense of meaning in my life and relationships? Uh, Can I express anger appropriately in defense of myself? Am I able to ask friends and family for help when I'm troubled? Can I say no to someone who asks for a favor if I can't or don't feel like doing it? Uh, If, you know, someone prescribes treatment for me, am I able to make my decision rather than let them impose and decide for me? Um, Do I have enough play in my life? Which to me is like your chocolate ice cream. Go find things that make you lose track of time. That if I'm depressed, am I able to cope with the depression? And the way I put it is that if you're hungry, you seek food, all right? If you feel depressed, how do you have to nourish yourself in your life? And that am I living a role in my life to the detriment of my own needs? And when you go through some simple questions like that, again, you realize, you know, this is not a complicated situation we're talking about. You don't need 10 years of therapy. You just need to look at yourself and your life. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to do something, you say no. If your life doesn't have meaning, okay, then find it. And again, to me, if you meet people, you can bring meaning into your life. 
I don't think it really matters whether you're driving a bus, you know, or CEO of a company. I mean, if you're meeting people and you can make everybody feel a little better after meeting you, you'll go home feeling a lot better. Mm-hmm. When a lot of people say to me, you know, I see you stop and shop all the time. I say, yeah. They say, why don't you get it delivered? I said, because I love the people. I come here for therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean it. I mean, I interact with lots of people, get to know the employees, and enjoy going there because I go home feeling better. So, nourishing those you know, going out in the world is my therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and just nourishing those connections that just make yeah. us feel more alive, makes life See, more it, meaningful. Let me add this, that if, because this happened at Stop and Shop. A lady with a bandage over her eye poked me in the back and said, you're the only person who hasn't asked me what happened. And I thought, wow, she's got a visible wound and everybody is talking to her. And I often say this to people, put a bandage on your eye, you know, wrap your arm up like it's in a cast and go out in the world and watch how people respond to you. Because we've all got troubles. But if you walk down the street, you know, how are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. I don't answer that. When people say to me, how are you? I say, do you really want to know? And they look at you. Or I say, I'm depressed. I'm out of my antidepressant. And you'd be amazed at how many people say, would you, you know, want one of mine? Maybe it'll help you. Or I know how you feel. And then we get into therapy, truthfully, with total strangers because we start sharing our wounds. We both go home feeling better. Because, well, Thornton Wilder, this one sentence, a doctor is refused uh, healing by an angel. And at the end of what the angel says to him, and the doctor says, hey, I got troubles too. But he says, yes, but without your wound, where would your power be? And the well, doctor realizes what makes him a very effective doctor is his woundedness. And that's why all the patients talk to him and are helped by him because he is wounded too. Absolutely. And so what do you say to patients who are, okay, try, they're trying to survive, they're trying to find out where their next step is in life. What about the pain? What do you do with pain? You use it. I mean, I would say to them, what does the pain feel like? And then when the word comes out, pressure, knife-like, draining, I'd say, how do those words fit your life? And they go, oh, yeah. So what I'm always saying to people is, please describe what you're experiencing. I don't want to know your diagnosis. I want to know what you're experiencing with your words. And then let's look at those words and find what else in your life fits them and help heal those things in your life. Then you'll hurt a lot less. So to me, pain is necessary. They, it protects us, and I mean that literally. Uh, you don't want to you know, burn your hand or step on a nail. Uh, you want to know and, and protect yourself. But suffering becomes the emotional aspect. And I try to help people with the suffering. And what I found is when you dealt with the emotional, it's amazing how people can tolerate pain. I mean, including major surgery. I'd have patients wake up and say, thank you. I'm a little sore. I don't need any medication. And it would amaze me. I mean, Mm -hmm. it stopped amazing me because I realized these were people who saw the surgery as a gift to them to help them be well. It was not a mutilation or punishment. And that's part of why I say to people, draw your treatment, because for some it's hell, and for some it's a gift from God. So, again, 
who's going to have more side effects? All these things enter into it, and who's going to have more pain? Um, I've seen people get over their pain when they were given the wrong medication because they didn't have their glasses on and somebody was trying to help them, grabbed the pill out of a bottle, handed it to them, and boom, the pain totally disappeared. Four hours later when they got their glasses on and they get the same pill again from this person, they said, what, what are you doing? This isn't my pain pill. <laughs> well, it worked four hours ago. So that's why, again, how powerful the mind is too and all those issues need to be looked into. Absolutely. When people believe in their treatment, you know, what's called the placebo, but you can also do negative things. You can tell people, I'm giving you chemotherapy, your hair will fall out, and have 30% of them lose their hair, and they're not getting any medication. And you can also help people by deceiving them into health and telling them you're giving them wonderful drugs and all kinds of wonderful things. And I regularly tell parents of, of little children... I say, take a bottle of vitamins and put a new label on it. See, hair-growing pill, pain pill, anti-nausea pill. And when your child has a complaint, say, oh, here's that pill that, you know, Dr. Siegel said will make you feel well. And you'd be amazed at the high percentage of kids who feel perfectly well and all they're getting is a vitamin and you don't have to pump them full of drugs. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, the mind is a beautiful, beautiful thing, and how, what we believe is just everything, just yeah. everything. You know, and especially when it's coming from a doctor or a parent that you trust. So I used the children's trust in me, because I did a lot of children's surgery, to help them. I mean, even taking an alcohol sponge, you know, and you rub the skin to cleanse it before you draw blood. And I'd say, oh, this is a new uh, kind of pad, and it numbs your skin. And literally, a third of the children were anesthetized because I hypnotized them with my words. And they'd say, oh, that's wonderful. Why don't the other doctors use it? Hmm. And the others would say, it still hurt. You know what I mean? But the emotional aspect was gone. So they weren't frantically running around the room trying to avoid a needle. That's beautiful. Dr. Bernie, thank you so much. I to call you Dr. Siegel. I know you prefer to be called Bernie. Yes, thank um, you. Thank you so much for coming to our show today. And I want to be sure that uh, all of our listeners have... Your website, BernieSiegelMD.com. Right. And that's Siegel, S-I-E-G-L-E. No, G-E-L. S-I-E-G-E-L. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, just feel free to uh, tap into that website. He also has a radio show there, and you can uh, connect with that, link to that radio show, and get the archives there. Yeah, all my books, tapes, and they can write me notes, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you again so much for being on our show today, Bernie. We've really enjoyed having you. And our listeners, please come back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to take it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.